were in the car, driving to the hospital, and Jules was like, hey, Leigh, do you know, like, which entrance we're meant to go in? And I was like, ah. He's like, oh, hold on. And he's, like, so calm, and I wanted to kill him. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm the one giving birth. You should know this stuff. And he's like, is it the same entrance as the appointments? Or is it? And he's like, dum dum And I'm, like, in the back seat, like, dying. I'm like, just pull up out the front. I need to get out of this bloody car. And Jules was like, it's okay, relax, Leonie. It will be fine. And I was like, your calm voice is killing me. (laughs) Hot tip, know where the entrance of the hospital is for when you're about to give birth. Hello, and welcome to Parenthood, conversations about life after kids. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every fortnight I will bring you discussions about the real and raw realities of parenting, life behind the Instagram filter. Join us as we laugh, cry, and bond over the organized chaos that is parenthood. Real talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Real Talk segment where Liv and I hash out all of the realities of parenthood in all of its glory. Liv, we haven't spoken in a few weeks. I've had withdrawals. How are you? I'm back. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Things are just working at the moment. Sun's not shining, but it's the weekend. I've got all my jobs done this morning. We're toilet training Tommy. Uh, oh, we've had a few accidents okay. this morning, but that's okay. I think you got to yeah. live and learn. But yeah. we're, we're getting a How, bit closer. How's that process? How's it going? So what made you pull the trigger? He he just all of a sudden went from not being ready to, yeah, asking mm. if he could use the toilet and obviously wanting to start mm. starting with poos, which I think is easier for kids, I've heard, mm. um, and became yes. fascinated. I think actually in the last pod I was talking about we critique the poos. Tommy's very interested yes. in that. So he's worked out if he does it in the toilet, it's a lot easier <laughs> to yeah. uh, see uh, <laughs> the results of his efforts. So... <laughs> Just with that, <laughs> it's kind of just, yeah, yeah. within a week um, started to work really successfully. So it's just the wheeze and getting the wow. timing of the wheeze, which uh, we're struggling with a little bit today, but we've just committed to yeah. another weekend in lockdown. What better reason uh, do we have yes. to, than that to toilet train? So Today's topic, we're talking all about birth stories. And I just felt like it's um, it's sort of a quietly kept um, topic and also one that, I mean, obviously I went through your birth journey with you to some extent in mm. hearing secondhand how all of that went. And similarly, mm. you know, you, I communicated mine to you, but like you kind of go through that phase and then you kind of forget it, you park it, you put it in a little box and you go, cool, that, that, you know, never happened and move on. But I've just been fascinating, uh, fascinated more recently around birth stories. And then funnily enough, I interviewed one of your besties, Liv, Phoebe and Matt, um, for the pod about their IVF journey. And, um, but we also delved into birth and how ridiculously like barbaric the whole oh, yeah. situation is. Oh, yeah. So Blood and guts, really sparked literally. my, uh, literally that and no one tells you so I was like we should hash this out further so it's so true you just say mum and baby to... are well if you think yeah. about you know yes. posts yes. there's no comment about you know how oh. what why recovery mother and baby are well honestly 
Yeah, and then like you know the beautiful photo of the girl, the yeah. mum with the baby on the chest, yeah. and everyone's looking fabulous, and you know, and it's just like, oh, there's so much more to the story. Yeah. So, oh yeah. We need- at least normalize the experience for those who have gone through it and word up the mothers to be. Um, in preparation, I actually looked up a few interesting stats around birth. And because I thought, for example, I'll throw it to you, Liv. What do you think, how many women, what percentage of women, let's call it in the last five years, because these stats are from 2014 to 2018, yeah, but yeah. Um, what do you think would have a selected cesarean based on your friends and stuff? What percentage? So a selective cesarean. So it's not yes, an emergency. Selective. They are yes. choosing Correct. to have a cesarean. Yes. I yeah. think it would be 15%. Okay. So 30% selected, which is quite interesting, according to the Australian Institute of Health wow. and Welfare. Um, yeah. And then one in five women have their first baby um, vaginally without instruments uh, or needing an episiotomy or, or anything like that. So that's only one in five, wow. which is 22%. Mm-hmm. Um, and 45% of women had their labour induced when they were giving birth for the first time in 2018. So that's almost more than half mm. are having induction. I have heard that Australian comparison mm. to the rest of the world has some of the highest levels of induction. Um, mm. And there's a whole heap of research. Some will argue that that's way, 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 way too high and you should be allowing it mm. to let nature take its course without intervention. Mm. You know, obviously there are various reasons um, that you are induced yeah. uh, and that's why it's important to be guided by your obstetrician and your medical team, right? Yeah. But, yeah, very interesting. Mm. That's a high percentage. Huge. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Like that's a isn't it? I've got a stat on emergency C-sections. So what do you think? What percentage do you reckon? Uh, After you're induced or just? After, oh, just just in general. general. So having to have an emergency C-section. 30%. Bang on. (laughs) Yeah. So according to the Royal Women's Hospital Australia, 30%. And they also said that only about 1% of babies are born at home each year. So they're pretty brave mamas. Mm. And look, whether that's a planned birth at home or whether that's they've just, you know, haven't made it to the hospital birth at home, but um, it's a very small percentage. Um, But yeah, I just thought that was fascinating because if I think about sort of our friendship circle, so many, I would say, yeah, 40% may Maybe have ended up having an emergency C-section. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's unreal. Like, and I you just wonder, would that have would they have been the statistics in our parents' generation? Definitely not. You know? Definitely not. Not, right? Yeah. So why it oh, I don't know. I mean, and I'm speaking to, you know, yourself who who had to have one and I'm, you know, excited to delve into that yeah. story with you, but it's just crazy, isn't it? It is really crazy and there's so many, yeah, all the reasons why, you know, it will be so different Mm. for each mum depending on the hospital that they're in and their particular circumstance Mm. and obviously the treating Mm. doctors. But, yeah, Yeah. um, it's certainly something that I'm interested in and I think we'll have to look at it a little bit closely to understand Mm. why is that. There's got to be... Why is that? Uh, it'd be really interesting to talk yeah. to a midwife um, through their own experiences mm. in in hospitals and various births and why they think it is because I can surmise, That's but I think really I'll probably be wrong. So yeah. I can, yeah, I'll leave <laughs> yeah, that to the experts, yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Maybe that's one that also we always come up with great future episode topics <laughs> during our discussions. So I'll pop that one down. <laughs> Um, so I threw it to our audience around some questions, just a poll, right? Just to understand how they tackled pre-birth and what we were sort of, um, what the general consensus was. So these stats are quite interesting. So did you find pre-birth classes helpful? I'll ask you first, Liv, did you find it helpful? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Did I learn anything that Mm. I probably didn't already know Probably not. I think it was maybe a helpful refresher. Mm. Like, you know, okay. what, sitting here now, what did I learn in birth class? And it was just run through mm. Epworth where I birthed both the boys. Um, mm. You know, they went through what to expect if you did end up in a cesarean situation. So how many doctors there would be. You know, I remember that, mm. you know, thinking, okay, well, that's that's a hell of a lot of people. <laughs> um, mm. What else do I remember? That's probably about it. Um, you know, yeah. nothing that made me a better mama or able to cope more, I think, that first week. I think it was just good general information mm. to probably refresh things that you already kind of knew. Did you do any education? So I did. I did calm birthing classes, which basically went over a weekend. Um, I had done no research about the parenthood journey, birth, etc., prior to having my little one. So this was the only kind of preparation I did, other than actually reading Midwife Kath's book. Oh, yeah. I found that was really good. The first six weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a winner. Um, but yeah, look for me, I didn't know what I was getting into, and I think the reason why I didn't want to know or read up was because I was so anxious about the whole mm. process. So to some extent, I do think the pre-birthing ha- classes helped in just, as you said, better preparing you as to how things could go, um, you know, and we did our birth plan and, you know, and then there were these, we watched some videos of these very calm women just like, you know, breathing through their contractions and looking like they were just meditating. I'm like, dude, who are these people? Like, it's like, are they like on heavy drugs? And like, they're literally, they're like, no, they're, they're hypnobirthing or they're da-da-da and it's all natural. And I was like, wow. Like, I was just like watching what was Super happening human. to them. Bodies, the and I was like, it. "How wow, are you?" Yeah, literally, I was like, "This is a bit misleading because I can see myself like not screaming, but looking a lot more agitated <sighs> than they are." Um, and then there was the breathing that you know taught us about you know breathe in and breathe out, and you breathe this way and that way, and that all went out completely went out the window when it comes to the actual birthing experience. So I think knowing stuff great, it certainly helped to some extent, but did it better in you know did it enable me to have a better birth experience? I'd probably say no. And would I have been equally fine not doing the classes? Mm, probably yes, I think. And I actually put that to our audience and um, uh, 54% of people said, yeah, no, nah, not really into the birthing classes, didn't really help mm. all that much. And I sort of wonder as well if people are just doing their own research and then kind of going to the classes and going, yeah, this is just, as you said, a bit, just sort of um, a bit of a summary as to what I already know. Like, had you done much research yeah, or much reading? I had done a having... heap of reading actually. Yeah. So okay. I had read yeah. Wife Kath's book too. I had almost yes. like a biology school textbook labelled pregnancy, you know, so I, yeah, Yeah. I really kind of did my research and then we just like were chatting to our girlfriends, right, and friends Mm, who had already had babies and our own mums and, you know, that social family, you know, support network that kind of, yeah, help you through some of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you have a birth plan? Mate, 
Of course I didn't. (laughs) Do you know what? My birth plan was just deliver a baby safely. However that needed to happen, I wasn't headstrong about wanting to have a natural birth. I really didn't care. Um, Mm. You know, we'd had those conversations with our obstetrician, Rachel Ryan, who was fantastic. And if there's Mm. anyone looking Mm. for a really no-nonsense straight shooting obstetrician, I can't recommend her highly enough. You know, know, so Mm. you have all those conversations and kind of feel settled as to how the birth might go. I didn't have any playlists. I didn't have any scents or candles or <laughs> any of that stuff that I hear some people go in. Maybe I should have. It might have kept me a hell of a lot calmer once we got in there. But no, I just in true live style just took it one thing, yeah, as it came, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's the, exactly the same as me. I did not have any pre-birthing, you know, oh, sorry, actual birthing um, requirements around music, at sense, et cetera. Um, and, but I did have a plan because through that calm birth, mm. you know, course that I did, they, you actually do a plan during the course. But mine was basically the same, just to kind of follow the obstetrician's guidance. Um, and I think I was a little bit mm. traumatised going into birth about the implications of tearing. And also, even if you just do a bit of research yeah. or Google, Dr. Google, um, you know, you just think, God, what could go wrong yeah. with that could impact me for the rest of my life? And they were the, that, they were the things that were sort of driving a little bit of fear through me. I, for that reason, I actually said to the obstetrician within like within 12 weeks of knowing that I was pregnant, I was like, cool, so I'm going to book in a, a cesarean, please, because I am not having anything going on down there. I'm not having tearing. Mm. I'm not dealing with that. I'd much rather cut me open, take the baby out. I'm doing the whole two posh to push business. Happy <laughs> days. And my obstetrician was like, um, no, you're not. I was like, but, but. But why not? Oh, like, God, so, I would have loved to have but, been your obstetrician and see, see oh, you walk yes. through the door. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said to Jules on the way to the appointment, um, this is for the first birth, I was like, no, nope, ridiculous. No one can tell me how I'm going to birth my child. Uh, no one can tell me that I can't have the cesarean. I, this is what I'm going to do. And Jules is like, maybe you should listen to the, the obstetrician's advice as well. I was like, <laughs> are you birthing the baby or am I? Okay, so it's coming out of me. So I'm going to choose how I want it to come out of me. And then we get in there. I'm like armed with my argument. I'm like, right, this is how it is. And he he sits there quietly, lets me does my do my whole spiel. And then he's like, no, you're having a vaginal birth and that's what it will be. And I was like, and I was like, like, what do you, what do you mean? And then he started explaining, I was seeing the risks as yeah. the tearing yeah. and all of that, but he was like, you are young, you are fit, yeah. you are, you know, healthy. There is no reason as to why you can't have it, you know, the natural way and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of gave me the stats and all this stuff and mm. it quite quietened me down. Mm. And then he goes, but hey, we could just keep that window open and let's see how this pregnancy goes. And every time I'd go in, I'd be like, so what do you reckon, like C-section? And he'd be like, Leonie, let me just reiterate the statistics of what we just went. And so over time, I got more and more comfortable with the idea that, yeah, I was just paranoid about tearing. And, like, you know, that was probably part you know. of, you know, your other anxiety, you know, that you were feeling while being pregnant yeah, and the headspace mm-hmm. that you were in, which was absolute kind of, yes. how did I get here? How am I going to get out yeah. of this? <laughs> <laughs> With a baby. That's how you're going to get out of it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting to reflect on all of that and kind of understand why you were feeling the way that you were. 
Yeah. So I asked our audience a few questions. So did you follow your birth plan? 66% said not at all. So some people did, which is like respect that you were, it wasn't absolute I'm carnage so that you were actually able to follow through. Um, I asked, was birth what you expected? And 67% said not at all, which is quite interesting. So maybe those other, that other portion of been reading up and vid- watching mm. YouTube videos and just kind of <laughs> wording themselves up that they didn't feel as, you know, blown away by it as we did. Um, I said, I asked the question, did you have an epidural? And 52% said no, which is interesting because I feel like most of the people I know yeah. had an epidural. Yeah. Like what do, what do you yeah, reckon if you think every about your person. network? Well, I guess that's 50%. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not fail maths at school. Bang on. <laughs> Bang on. Yeah, every second person. There you go. But, yeah, may, yeah. yeah maybe I would have yeah, thought yeah. it was slightly higher, but, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then the last one was were you induced? And oh, we've already and we touched on that, but, oh, no, that was from the statistics um, just in general in yeah. Australia, but were you induced based on social media and our community? 54% mm. said yes. So, again, a high number, right? So, like almost validating the stats we are talking wow. about earlier, which is really, really interesting, yeah. isn't it? Talk me through. Let's get into the juicy stuff. So, I want to hear about the day you went into labour. So, did you have your hospital bag packed? Talk me through what was going on. Well, I didn't go into labour because I'm one of the 50% who got induced. What do you know? So, yeah, yeah, I was induced on a Tuesday night. I went in to have the gel to loosen up the cervix and uh, prepare for the next day. So I knew that Tommy would be born, hopefully, on the Wednesday. Um, Rachel checked me Wednesday morning. I wasn't as dilated as what she had uh, hoped and my waters hadn't broken, so she gave me some more gel um, and then broke the waters or I think they call it artificially uh, breaking the membranes or something like that. Much I mm. much prefer the breaking of waters type thing. So I got to experience all yeah. of that um, mm. and then I started the oxytocin drip, um, which is the main part of induction use, usually. Um, and then things progressed and I was, this is probably progressed over six hours. Um, and I went into, while well, I was laboring, my contractions were probably three minutes apart, but the bad news for me was when Rachel checked after the six hours of laboring, uh, I was still only two centimeters dilated. So, um, mm we knew at that point that something wasn't going to plan. So I think she gave me another hour and she said, right, we're going to have to make the call in an hour. And I was quite comfortable with that having, uh, yeah, been labouring for that amount of time and I was incredibly sick. Mm. I was vomiting nonstop. I had mm. the TENS machine trying to distract me from from the pain. <laughs> I called for an epidural because I wasn't having much fun. Mm. Uh, that's another part mm. of the story probably shortly. Um so, yeah, anyway, we had to make the decision eventually. When Rachel checked again, I was still only two centimetres dilated, which mm. um, I was probably disappointed about. But at the end of the day, I was quite comfortable, as I said before. All I wanted was this baby to come out safely and I was getting really over it uh, for all the effort that I was putting in <laughs> to not mm. have the result. Um, I can't actually remember the timing of the epidural and the decision for caesarean, but I'm assuming that I had the epidural when I was still labouring the epidural unfortunately Did didn't go in the wrong kick in? didn't go in the right oh, spot. That's right. 
So I got the yeah. effect of the drug. So my body was full of the drug, but it didn't numb. So they had to do some corrective uh, <laughs> administration of um, the pain to try and get the epidural working, which I think then made me quite sick. And I just remember feeling really, yeah, f- faint and lightheaded and like I was in another world really. And Mark, you know, recalls kind of just watching my head just kind of drop back and, you know, all of the alarms start going off and it was me fainting but also Har- oh, Harry, it was Tommy. <laughs> Tommy for this one, Tommy really starting to go <laughs> yeah. into distress. So quite quickly it became... Uh, an emergency and even then I still I still just remember feeling really sick and knowing there was a whole lot of commotion around me and suddenly there were lots of people Mm. in the room but Mm. I think it was a bit of shock right I was just numb I didn't know what was going on and before I knew it Mm. yeah we were in the theatre and yeah little Tommy was being put on my chest and I remember thinking what is this little gremlin muddy (laughs) bloody (laughs) thing ew (laughs) gross no But I was numb, like I was really overwhelmed, in shock. Mm. I think the painkillers were just running, yeah, all the pain medication and epidural Mm. and whatever else they needed to give me to kind of bring me out of it was just really, yeah, making me super, super numb. So, Mm. yeah, in many ways it wasn't what I had hoped it would be, but at the end of the day I was happy to have that baby safe and sound on my chest. So, uh, was able mm. to then recover. But given it was an emergency caesarean, it was quite late at night, so it was mm. maybe 10 o'clock at night or something. So I think when you have a elective caesarean, well, I know when you have an elective caesarean because that was Harry, um, we had really great recovery and I was able to spend all my time with Harry straight afterwards. With Tommy, he was whisked away. I didn't see him for probably close to two hours. And me just feeling this complete sense of, yeah, feeling completely numb and in shock and having just given birth mm. through, yeah, that whole 24 hours of lead up and labouring. You know, I was really exhausted. But, yeah, I didn't see him for probably two hours um, from giving birth to then them stitching up and they they must have just had, they didn't have enough staff on or something was happening that night that I was just lying in the theatre with one of the midwives, them constantly calling downstairs to be saying, can you come and get Olivia? So I was just kind of waiting and I was oh, just wow. desperate to get back, yeah, to obviously to Tommy and to Mark and I wanted my mummy too because it had been really traumatic. Yeah. Like I just remember yeah. wanting to see my mum. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. Why do they take the baby away? Is that normal when you have a C-section? They take a, the baby away while you well, get stitched up? Well, I had up, thought or? it was normal until I had Harry and, yeah. you know, had yeah. Harry through the elective caesarean and then was taken mm. to the recovery bay, which is the room outside the theatre, and Harry was with yeah. me the whole entire time. Harry did not leave my side. So why? whether yeah, I actually don't okay. know why that, you know, well, Probably the reason being yeah. that it was elective and it was nine o'clock yeah. in the morning and they were staffed for a full day right. of elective caesareans, whereas Tommy was quite right. late at night. It was an emergency. Yeah. Um, the staffing yeah. allocation wasn't there. So, yeah, yeah, two very different experiences Yeah, in terms of having time so, with Bob straight after. Oh, uh, absolutely. So the 
the with Harry number two, you walk in completely civilized. You talk me through what happens when you've got a oh, um, is, a scheduled C section. It is so civilized. Yeah. You arrive at reception yeah. with your hospital bags and yeah. say, "Hello, I'm Olivia. Ready for my nine o'clock collective cesarean, please." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they take you to a little bay and you get changed. It's kind of like mm. a hospital sick bay or something. It's a tiny, tiny room, and okay. you change into your mm. scrubs and. And the doctors come and talk to you, your anaesthetist and the various other people who play a role in a caesarean. Mm. And then within an hour you're on the bed, you're lying back and they said, well, in 10 minutes you'll have your baby. And in 10 minutes we had our baby. So, yeah, talk about two completely different experiences. So the emotion for me was a lot more real with Harry because I was – Lucid, mm. I was there. I was, a, you know, really present and, you know, talking. Whereas right. with Tommy, I was just in shock and overwhelmed and an emotional mess and didn't know what day it was. Mm. So, yeah, the emotion hit me when Harry was on my chest. I remember just really choking up that, yeah, my precious baby mm. is finally here. Whereas yeah. Tommy, it was, mm. oh, what, what's just happened? This, this child's mine? What? Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, yes. really, really civilised and a really great experience and all the staff at Etworth are just phenomenal. So, um, yes. yeah. See, this is why I wanted to have a C-section, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be civilised, although I was more civilised the second time around because I got induced and yeah. so that was nice yeah. just to take the anxiety yeah. out of it. But I just want them to be like, oh, you know, no contractions or anything. In 10 minutes your baby will arrive. Oh, Here it is oh, on a silver so platter. Bizarre. Thank you. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> you know, literally in 10 minutes you will have your baby and yeah. off you go to start wow. your new life. <laughs> so what is recovery like then? Was there much difference? Because I remember what the, with um, so with Tommy, baby number one, when I saw you in the hospital, that was probably, I don't know, two days after giving birth. You were dazed. You were saying, oh. you know, I don't even, like I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit more myself now, but I don't even, like we've had family come and I just it's just all a bit too much. Talk me through the aftermath of having that emergency C-section. Yeah, you've, you've had really major surgery when you think about it. You know, mm. the, the eight or so layers, whether it's six, seven or eight, I don't know, but, you know, the yeah. layers of stomach yeah. muscle and tissue that, you know, you you cut through um, to get that out is really traumatic major surgery. Mm. So, yeah, it, it is a really painful recovery. And, yeah, when mm. I, I remember seeing, do I remember seeing you? No, I do remember seeing you. I've got the photos. That's, that's how I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the yeah. endone and the tramadol and all of the drugs that they mm. that you need to take, you know, and that's the best piece of advice mm. that I would you know, was given to me and I will give to others, you need to stay on top of your pain management because it really sneaks up mm. on you quickly if you don't. Mm. Um, mm. And that's what wasn't agreeing with me. So I was just having, yeah, some side effects to, yeah, the endone and various other drugs that I was taking, which I was desperate oh, okay. to get off as quickly as possible. But mm. I needed to stay on to mm. it just because, yeah, it's really painful and you're stiff and you're sore and, mm. yeah, it's hard to stand up and have that first shower and which I can imagine it probably is for all mums regardless of how you birth. But, yeah, it's very yeah, slow. But no, within no. probably mm. seven to ten days you're up and about and you're moving and you're feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt mm-hmm. like I was able to drive within probably two weeks very easily. I think they suggest six weeks. Mm. Um, yeah. So you do get back up on your feet quickly. It's just the first few days mm. are a bit rough. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, the size of cesarean scars now. Mine's probably... 
probably mm. eight centimetres long, I'd say. You know, it's not. Okay. People must think sometimes, God, to get a baby out, it must be 25. Yes, the whole stomach. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. How, how they can yeah, use the various technologies mm. uh, to yes. yeah, get those little bubbers out. So, yeah. yeah, you just have to look after it and, yeah. Mm. And I've got something that I can it's look really at every day in the shower. And, in fact, Tommy loves it. He points at it now and says that's where Tommy and Harry oh. came from. Tommy and Harry born. Right? So, <laughs> that's um, so sweet. Yeah, yeah. My little yeah. pride scar, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so cool because, yeah, I don't think I've ever really asked you or anyone really how that all works, um, even though I desperately wanted to have a C-section. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that yeah, it's really interesting. I think similarly um, for me, the first time's just a shit show. Like you just kind of like what what like what is going on? I mean, I remember I we were at safe we were at um my parents' beach house um the day like that evening I went into labor, but that day we'd gone there because we were teeing up NBN so that eventually once I gave birth, we would be living there for a period of time. So we were teeing up NBN for the the home that we're going to be living in. And I remember the NBN guy, I'm there like I'm, initially we get to Safety Beach. <sighs> I'm like, cool. The, everything was irritating me. I'm like, the car is filthy. And it wasn't even that bad. But I was like, and Jules, I'm like waddling along and Jules is like, the car's fine. I'm like, no, 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 I'm washing the car. And so there I am on my tippy toes, like trying to wash the ceiling of the car and and bending down and and, walk, and standing up. And, and Jules is like, what? And I'm furiously washing the car. And I'm like, everything is dirty. I'm like, I can't have a baby in this environment. <laughs> just, Jules is just like, okay, you do you. So now I've washed the car. The MBN guy's meant to come at 11 a.m. It's 1.30. He hasn't come. And I'm there going, I'm like, where the hell is this guy? And Jules is like, Leonie, it doesn't matter. Like we can leave whenever we want. Even if we get back to Melbourne this evening, it makes no difference. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know what? It's common courtesy. If you're going to be an hour and a half late, he's like, Leonie, they gave us a window and and basically, and I'm like, yeah, the end of the window was 12 o'clock. What time is it now? 1.30. So that is actually rude in my book. And I, I was just so <gasps> agitated. And Jules is like, Calm down, just like, mate. Maybe go sit down and like watch a TV show or something. I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm like walking around the house like just trying to clean things up and I was just I was so agitated oh. NBN guy eventually comes Did I'm like glaring at him head from off? the other side of the room <laughs> is he still alive I was like <laughs> I was like you are two and a half hours late but I didn't say anything Jules is like let me do the talking he's like you just sit over there and I was like oh, wow. this is ridiculous everything's ridiculous everything's not clean enough everything you know and anyway so that evening we get um go back in the car we head back to Melbourne because we wanted to stay yeah. at our place to be near the hospital um get home and I remember I just had cracked it at Jules for something as we hopped out of the car and was walking into our house and I'm like even you like just get it I just can't handle anyone right now I storm upstairs waddle upstairs and then um yeah go to bed and then within like two hours I was like mm, I don't feel right and oh. yeah and so from then on it was like I was in labor but it's interesting because I've when I I've spoken to a few girlfriends about this, the the moment or the day they went into labor, they were really agitated yeah. as well. So, or at least the emotions were sort of, you know, going highs and lows. Yeah. So something to be wary of if you are um, a first-time mama and looking for the signs. You were well and truly over pregnancy. I was ready. Because you were know what, 38, it was early, 38 weeks. 38 yeah. weeks, yeah. yeah. So And everyone was like, no, well, it's your first. He'll, yeah. he'll arrive after 40. And I was like, I do not have time for that. I was like, I've been pregnant for way too long. This is really bothering me and my lifestyle. So I need to get this baby out. <laughs> it's mm. funny that literally, naturally, my body agreed with yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, 
And so I'm having my contractions at home and Jules is like timing them and everything. And I'm getting more and more kind of agitated by the process. But anyway, I also didn't want to go to the hospital too early and be sent Mm. home. So anyway, long story short, I started then violently, um, vomiting, same as Mm. similar to what you said, Liv. And, and then that's, the point in which we called the obstetrician and they said, you know what, if she's throwing up that much mm-hmm. and like throwing up everything, it's actually unsafe. We should bring her to the hospital. So we're, we're getting in the, we're in the car, driving to the hospital. And then like, we're nearly there. And I'm like lying in the back seat, like dying. And Jules is like, Hey, Leigh, do you know like which entrance we're meant to go in? And I was like, ah, uh, and he's like, he's like, oh, gee, uh, hold on. And he's like, so calm. And I wanted to kill him. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm the one giving birth you should know this stuff. And he's like, no, did you, like, did you ever ask the obstetrician, like any, any chance, like, you know, like, where do you, like, (laughs) is it the same entrance as the appointments or is it, and he's like, and I'm like in the back seat, like dying. I'm like, just pull up out the front of anywhere. I need to get out of this bloody car. And Jill's like, all right, how about I'll just like stop here. It's okay. Relax, Leone. It will be fine. And I was like, your calm voice is killing me. (laughs) That'll be a story. That told and oh, retold for honestly, years. Honestly, so uh, <laughs> hot tip know where the entrance of yes. the hospital is for when you're about to give birth yeah, because, important. like, you know, you don't want to be figuring that stuff out on the fly. Um, but yeah, so it was all the whole bit. bit as an exec sum, was a bit of a shit show with me throwing up and getting these injections. Did they give you the anti-nausea injections when you threw up? Okay. It's like this, like literally 30 centimetre long, or at least that's what it felt like, a needle that like goes into your leg. It hurts so much and it did nothing. So I just continued to throw up during the entire process. Um, But eventually, um, you know, I was dilating and all of that, which was at least after all of that energy and effort, um, I was able to sort of give birth I guess that way but they did do like an episiotomy so I had to have stitches as well and just after the aftermath of this of that um and feeling like you're sitting on one bum cheek and then the other um you know it's just stuff again no one talks about and I remember we have visitors it's not pretty it's just not it's brutal (laughs) not pretty for us brutal for us Pretty yeah, terrifying yeah. for our partners too. Like yes, still to this day, yes. particularly Tommy's birth, he just says it was the most mm. terrifying, particularly hour mm. that last hour of his life. Like he yeah. he said at one yes. point he was convinced that he was going to lose me and the baby. Like that's kind of where he was going in his so mind. Um, yeah. Which yeah, so that's... yeah, tough for everyone. I think. They're not, and they're not drugged up like we no. are, right? So they're actually oh. like coherent, yeah. able yeah. to see. I mean, I remember with birth number one, I had sucked in that much gas, so the happy gas that they give yeah. you. I remember I was on cloud nine, and I could hear my voice slurring. And I remember turning, turning to Jules and like, I've missed this feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, I can't wait to have a share. <laughs> <laughs> And then Jules is like, all right, hun, yeah, we'll we'll get some some champagne in you after this. But like, and I remember even after the birth, you were talking about the drugs still being there. I'm washing my, I decided I was going to wash my hair. I was clearly high as a kite. I'm going to wash my hair. I'm going to straighten my hair. Jules had the baby. I'm like, yeah, I just want to like be presentable for when like guests come. And I remember everything, I was going at a thousand miles an hour because of the happy gas was still just like bubbling around in me. And I was like, oh God, like it's just unbelievable. I mean, so I'm on a different 
different planet. Meanwhile, he's there. As you said, the, the partner is there watching all of this and just, and feeling so out of mm. control, um, you know, in the whole process. Mm. Like it's. And being left to hold the baby, right? Like. Mark yeah, had Tommy yeah. for those two hours, and was, I can imagine he was just looking at that baby, being like, "Why? What do I do with you? Like, where's mom? Like, I just want to handball this baby." And he hasn't stopped handballing ever since. We <laughs> oh, lead the wow. way, lead the charge. But yeah, it's it is such a crazy experience. How did you go being induced? So yeah, you said it was relatively straightforward. You had did you do an overnight stay? I can't remember. So I did, I went in as similar to you first thing in the morning like eight in the morning had um, had the induction so the drip went in my arm and then quite quickly I feel like it was within two hours I was literally like oh my gosh I had this crazy sensation like I had to push yeah. and I and to the point where I turned to the midwife I'm like no 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 you need to get the obstetrician in now and she was like oh it should be fine let me just have a quick check and then she went oh my god and like hit a button and the <sighs> obstetrician comes storming in and I was like I can't believe this is wow. happening so quickly. So my body was obviously yeah. ready. Um, I, for everyone listening, I decided to get induced um, for, the, for baby number two from a from a mental health perspective. I felt really nervous mm-hmm. going into the birth and not knowing when the baby was going to come and all of this stuff. And and my anxiety was just always a bit of a problem. So they said, "How about we induce you?" And that sort of took away one of the many uncertainties that was to come. So yeah, walked in as you said, live very civilized. Yeah. Had the drip within literally like so quickly. I'm I'm pushing and I feel like it was like four yeah. pushes and baby was yeah. out. Like it was so civilized and there was no gas. Oh, I think I truly I only took form. A, you know a just puff of gas. <laughs> just just like all right onto the truly next. Like, what are we doing battles. next, guys? <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but the challenge I had for number two was, and similar to you, I guess, having babies during COVID, um, soon after Jules left Mm. um, the hospital uh, because um, we decided each night that um, Noah, who my first son, Mm. who wasn't allowed to visit the hospital, only at that point partners were allowed to be there. Um, Noah, every night Jules was going to go home to Noah. And um, so it was such a different experience from like first time Mm. around where the partner stays and we spent all that time together and it was all very lovely and family came and visited and all of that to quiet hospital room, me with bubs. That was kind of it. Um, but, I I mean, I feel very fortunate that that was the case for my second mm. child. At least I knew what was yeah. to come versus my first. Yeah. Did you have the same experience with Mark only being allowed in the hospital? Uh, we were lucky it just opened up as Harry was born. So we were allowed two okay. visitors a day. And they had to be the okay. same visitors. Um, so my mum brought Tommy in one day and then we just had, yeah, the grandparents and no one else, which was, yeah. I don't know how you found it, but that for me was the best thing. Mm. I just felt so much calmer, yeah. happier, yeah. you know, because I wasn't mm. being disrupted by this constant flow of visitors who I wanted to see, of course, yeah. with Tommy. But yeah. it was interesting chatting to the midwives. They were saying they were seeing much greater success rates with breastfeeding, happier mums because mm-hmm. they weren't being disrupted or feeling a level of anxiety trying to feed while their father-in-law is sitting in the corner or, you know, all of these mm-hmm. different things that they're trying to manage. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see yeah. you know, if anything's applied to 
hospitals. I mean, I doubt it. People, you know, mm. will always want to have as many visitors as they possibly can. But, yeah, yeah. really, yeah, a better experience, I've got to say, not, yeah, juggling lots of people. Uh, the second time around. Yeah, I can so resonate with that in that similarly, well, I think there was the, the perk from the first birth with Noah was that because it was an uncomplicated birth and I seemed to be recovering quite well, by day number two, I was moved to a hotel around the corner because I was, it was through the um, the hospital's partnership kind of program. So um, I had the room service and the visitors coming to my beautiful hotel suite that looked over Melbourne. It was so fabulous. And I was like, this mm. is how I wanted to mm. sort of spend my first few day with, days with bubs. However, that was all great, but I'm sitting there on one bum cheek and then the other and I'm, you know, I, I've got ice packs in my underwear and I'm there just going, I can't even believe this is life right now. And then, like I had engorged breasts from breastfeeding and so I literally had ice packs there, there too and I just felt like my body was not my own. So there was all of that overwhelm piece going on whilst I had the lovely hotel stay. Whereas baby number two, I had, yeah, none of the visitors. I wasn't able to go to the hotel. So I spent it in um, the suite at Epworth and, um, but no visitors. So it it was actually a nice Mm. and it it was probably more serene. Mm. The food wasn't quite hotel food, but it was certainly really good food. I have to say for a hospital, I think you mentioned that, In fact, I think there are many mums who just have babies at Epworth for the food. The food is excellent. (laughs) That was actually me. (laughs) So my obstetrician <laughs> operates at both St. Vincent's and Epworth and I wasn't happy with the food at St. Vinny's. So when you said the food at Epworth was good, I was like, yeah, I'll be going there for the second time around. <laughs> so I've got I my priorities set, baby, you know. To, you know, go and have some more food at Epworth. <laughs> And there was so much of it as well. I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, like Netflix and chill and just kind of having the time Mm. to myself. I remember actually that was one thing I did do. I brought like some lovely hand cream Mm. um, and, you know, the room then smelled of this lovely hand cream and it just, yeah, it was actually a little bit more of a serene time. So it's interesting, isn't it, from adversity with COVID and things like that, that there can be these little things that, you know, little perks that you would never have expected, right? Totally right, totally right. Talking about pre-birth resources that you couldn't live without. So you sort of mentioned you did a fair bit of reading up. Was there anything that you felt like really set you up well? Uh, I mean, I would just look. The Midwife Cath book was a great resource and there were so many other resources, yeah. but all very similar, right? But that is a really great place to start. Mm. Um, you know, Raising Children yes. website we've spoken about before, that's just a phenomenal website. Yes. Uh, the Breastfeeding Australia Association, Breastfeeding Association, something like that. Yes, yeah, that's great By as well. By far, I would say, the best resource I utilise before and after, mostly after having Tommy. Yes. Um, I. That was another question we asked our audience, did you struggle with breastfeeding? And about 50%, well, 51% said no and 49% said yes. So it's interesting. You get those um, mothers that are just, you know, baby just latches and away they go. Um, but, yeah, I think from at least most people that I've spoken to, it is a challenge. And it's But as you said, it's a learn-on-the-job kind of yeah. gig versus yeah. pre-learn, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, our audience also had, okay, so this book I'd never heard of, Liv, as, as far as pre-birth resources, a, a number of people said Juju Sundays, it's the birth skills book. Mm, Have you heard of that? Heard of it. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. A, f- a number of people said that. So that, that might oh, be one tip. to check out if good you're, tip. um, wanting to read up on birth. Um, a fair few people said podcasts around pain management, mm. yoga, yoga classes. Um, oh, and someone actually mentioned the core floor and restore. So there, and I Googled that and their classes to strengthen your pelvic mm. floor. Um, I, I did a little bit of Pilates beforehand as well. Did you do anything like yeah, that? I did some um, live Pilates. around at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Lead up to it, whether or not, well, Having cesareans yeah. probably <laughs> yeah. didn't didn't need it as much, but yeah, I certainly was yeah, trying to yeah. take whatever preventative uh, measure and prepare, you know, to yeah. to go through with it. Yeah, to sort of round up, I threw it to our audience around advice for new mothers to be, and so one of them pointed to your point that you mentioned earlier, Liv, in that even if you are feeling that you've recovered well from birth, not to go too hard too yeah. soon, regardless of what type of birth you have, because it's so easy for us to do yeah. that, particularly as mothers where we've got our million things, you know, that we feel like we need to do every minute. Mm. Um, the TENS machine, someone also mentioned they hired one. Did that help you at all, Liv, at the time? I think it was a good distraction. So, mm. I mean, I don't How know does if it, it work? actually helped What's with the... the pain management. Yeah. So, a TENS yeah. machine sends yeah, okay. out electrical impulses to various areas around your body. So in birth you will have them usually on your back um, and different muscle points down your spine. And the idea is that you send the electrical impulses to these areas um, to just reduce the pain signals going into that. Some people swear by them. Um, Yeah. When I was labouring I had the TENS machine going and you kind of zap yourself and literally you're kind of electrocuting yourself, right? Well, certainly that's what I was doing. (laughs) I was practically jumping off the bed with this, (laughs) the gas, which is probably what made me vomit, I think, when I think about it because I was really sucking (laughs) sucking on that gas. Right, Um, (laughs) So, yeah, there are so many different things that, yeah, different pain interventions that you can think about. Yeah. Look. If I was to be having a natural birth tomorrow, I would be taking a TENS machine with mm-hmm. me. You've got nothing to lose. And yeah, I don't okay. think they're yeah. expensive to, to hire, let alone yeah. buy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone else mentioned if you're not happy with your midwife or doctor's advice, always seek a second opinion. And a lot of people said listen mm-hmm. to your gut, particularly, I mean, this is when you've given birth and just in just in general though, during your journey as a parent, um, listening to your gut, which really resonates with me because I feel as though there were times in the hospital, particularly when I'd just given birth, where different midwives were coming in and I think it was just a busy time and I felt like I was getting lots of different advice from different people as to how to breastfeed and how to do this. Mm. And even at one point, I remember I'd just given birth and they gave me the menu and they're like, oh, this is the first time around. Gave me the menu and wine was an option. So I was like, yes, I will be ticking (laughs) that. Thank you very much. So a little bottle of wine appears on my bedside. So I'm there, you know, I poured a bit of wine into a glass. I'm about to take my first sip and a midwife bustles on in and is like, what are you doing? And I was like, "Uh, I was just having some wine. She's like, I'd advise I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having wine if I was you. And I was like, oh, okay, mm. but I've already given Sister birth. Girlfriend. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she was like, she, no, oh. no, it's not very safe for the baby. Back away, back away, leave the room. If you value your life, get out of this room. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I literally nearly burst into tears. I was like, wait, so I've been pregnant for nine months and now the baby's out and you're telling me I can't have a sip of wine? Like, what do you people want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I took that box too, right. don't you, so, it's, yeah, 
<laughs> but it's it's interesting, mm. isn't it? Did you find competing um, sort of different feedback from different people? Certainly, yeah, that resonated with me that, yeah, you're getting a lot of different feet. Everyone's got their way of doing mm. it, right? Their way of swaddling, their mm. way of bathing, their way of latching, their way yes. of yeah, whatever. So, yeah, I did find that, uh, yeah, quite overwhelming at times. In the end, I kind of just yeah, yeah. picked what I liked and what I found was starting to work for us and kind of tuned out yeah. anything else that wasn't helpful for me. Yep, that was a big one that a lot of people mentioned. Um, and the final thing, I, I mean, there were so many responses, but one of the final ones that resonated with me was around um, people pre-cooking meals and freezing mm. them just so that they didn't, one less thing to worry about when the baby came, um, which kind of makes a lot of yeah. sense to me. Yeah. So something to perhaps consider moving forward if the, if you're uh, heading no down chance. that exciting no path. Chance. Yeah. I mean, I wish you all well. It's it's so true. You, you block it out, like recalling yeah, all of this today. You do. Yeah, I haven't thought about yeah. it through very, very long time, you know, a really special yeah. moment in our lives that I think somehow we're programmed to forget maybe yes. so that we are yes. starting to think about the next child. But uh, I think about that yeah. next child and say, no, thank you. <laughs> yes, might be tapping out at number two. Thing. <laughs> All right, girl. Well, always good to chat and thanks for sharing um yeah, your, your story and thoughts on this topic and, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. See you soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. Want to be part of the Parenthood community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Parenthood Pod. Now I'll let you get back to the organised chaos. Until next time. Yeah, either way, I can't see you that well anyway. So, yeah, we're just just back to our usual, you know, me talking to myself over here.